Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. If you got your Bibles with you, let's turn to Jeremiah 29. And we're going to start there. A very familiar passage. Jeremiah 29 and verse 11. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are not plans for, or they are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. Verse 13, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. So if you're taking notes today, the title of the message is All In. You guys ever heard somebody preach on that at Church on the Rock? So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. I want to talk to you about All in. Now, all in, as you know, is one of the really the heart and the mentality of our church. And it's on a lot of stuff. It's on social media. It's on our shirts. Um, it's on our website. It's all over the place. All in that we should be all in. And, and I haven't preached about that in a long time. Um, but that remains the heart and mentality of our church. So I'm going to kind of give a message to not only you have who have heard this before, but maybe uh, some of you that are brand new to know what all in really means as a church and as followers of Jesus. So I want to talk about that this morning. It's interesting to note. Uh, let's read this verse real quick. Second Peter one and verse 12, what Peter says to this church he's writing to. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them. See, some of you are saying, Pastor, I've done heard all in message 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. Okay, well, I'm in good grounds because Peter said to this church, therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you already know them. And are standing firm in the truth you have been taught. So just because you have heard something before does not mean you're doing it. Does not mean you're walking in it. Does not mean you don't need somebody to remind you of those things. Because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Whatever you hear constantly preached to you is what you're going to believe and what you're going to live in. So if you don't hear about healing at a church, you're not going to be able to have faith in healing at a church. If you don't he hear a message about uh, it's God's will to deliver you in your mind, you're not going to experience God's deliverance in your mind. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In the same way, if you don't hear about being all in with your church and with your relationship with God, you will not have faith to act and be a doer of that word, to be all in with your church. So it's important, though you already know these things, some of you do, that I remind you of these things. So recently, I heard this podcast, and I listen to a lot of podcasts, probably too many podcasts, but I listen to a lot of podcasts, and not just church podcasts, all sorts of podcasts. I listen to uh, leadership podcasts, I listen to wellness podcasts, I listen to weightlifting podcasts, I listen to sports podcasts, I listen to a lot of podcasts. So who knows what might come out today. But I was listening to this leadership podcast about communication. And uh, this pastor, and he's really a pastor slash leadership guy, he said he talked about the different types of communicators. So um, he was listing them off and um, I realized that I was definitely this one, and one of them was a challenger. 
That's my communication gift. When you come and you hear me preach, I am a challenger. I don't just let you sit there. I challenge you. That's a good gift. And, and there's some people that are commander. I would say my dad's communication style is a commander. Are we in agreement here? He's not here. You can say amen. Everybody's like, I ain't saying nothing. I'll tell him what you said, though, because he will be home next week. No, he's a commander. That means sometimes you just need a commander. That means shut up and get in line and do some push-ups. Sometimes you need that. That's dad's communication style. I'm a challenger, so I challenge you. But they said most people have two gifts. So um, I asked Morgan what my two um, communication gifts were. No, it's good, but it's not the one I wanted. She said, when I preach, these are, there were several different categories, but she said, my two ones that he listed that I was, was a challenger and a healer. See, I, I mean, it's not bad, but I didn't want the healer one. I wanted the encourager one, because that was another category. I said, I would say my preaching is challenger and encourager. And she said, no, I think it's challenger and healer. And she goes, you're not really encouraging. When, and then she goes, well, I didn't mean it that way. I just meant you're more of a healer than an encourager when you preach. So, who knows what you're going to hear today. But you're definitely going to hear the challenger communication style. Because what I'm going to say today is going to challenge you. And I love you and I'll heal you up before it's all said and done. And I'll encourage you. But what I'm going to say today is going to challenge you. It's going to challenge you to move. going to challenge you to grow. going to challenge you to go all in with what God has for you. So that's one of my communication styles. I can't help it. I am a challenger. So just heads up, you will be challenged. So in Jeremiah 29, 11, let's read this again. In the New Living Translation. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Now, this is one of the most famous Bible verses that you've seen on Etsy, crocade, on blankets, on mugs. I mean, atheists have this scripture on their wall. It's that popular. I mean, in Hobby Lobby, oh my gosh, they've made billions off this verse. The most familiar verse in the Bible, but we don't ever read the next few verses. And notice what the next few verses says. Can we pull up verse 12 and then verse 13? In those days, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Many of us see the God has plans for you, says the Lord. I'm tapping into my healer frequency right now. He has these plans and these purposes, and it's not to harm you. It's to, it's to help you. It's, it's a, this plan, and it's beautiful, and God has these things for you. And we stop there, thinking that just because God has great plans for us and they're not for disaster, it's going to happen. And we don't read the next verses. And many people are not living in these great plans that God has for them because you don't read on and it says, if you search for me wholeheartedly, then you will find that plan. Not just because you got the, the scripture on your refrigerator or on your blankie or you put it on Facebook. 
That does not mean the scripture is coming to pass in your life. It says those who search for me wholeheartedly are the people that are going to get involved and into the plan that I have for them. Which is a plan that is good and not for harm. It's not for disaster. It's to give you a future and a hope. But you will not experience that plan if we don't search for him wholeheartedly. Now Jeremiah said wholeheartedly. But in 2023 we would say all in. You're not going to be able to find the purpose and plan for God that he has for you unless you go all in. You got to go with your whole heart, the Bible says. Now, we need to realize this, that many of us, let's be honest, especially in the Western world, not that we don't love God, we do, but most of us do not go after God wholeheartedly. So I'm going to challenge you today. Most of you sitting here are not going after God wholeheartedly. I love you, but you're not. Most American Christians especially are not going after God wholeheartedly. They're not all in. Especially Western Christians because we live in such ease, such wealth. We don't need God. We got doctors. We got banks. We got subdivisions. We got private schools. We got organic food stores that we can go to. We don't need God. We do, but we don't think we need him. So we don't search after him wholeheartedly. Now, we all know this. If any of us gets in trouble in here, we start searching for him wholeheartedly. And y'all know the difference. I've seen people in our church worship one week, and then the next week they got a cancer diagnosis. They are at the altar weeping. I said, I'm going to challenge you. Why? Because they got a reality check. I need God. Now, you needed God last week before you got the cancer diagnosis. But we don't think we do. Somebody that gets into a horrible financial situation, goes bankrupt. They're at the altar the next week. The week before, they were hands lifted high. Everything's on credit cards. It's okay. I don't need you, God. Many of us. Don't go after God wholeheartedly or all in. And we wonder why we don't have the life that we're supposed to have. We don't have the Jeremiah 29, 11 life because Jeremiah 29, 11 life doesn't happen without verse 12 and verse 13. That those who search after me with all their heart, they go all in with their relationship with me. Then they will experience that plan that's a good plan that gives you a future and a hope. But not people that are just okay with just having a barely get by relationship with God. You're here today. There's no condemnation or shame with anything I'm saying this morning. So don't read something into it I'm not saying. Sometimes even your pastor doesn't go after God wholeheartedly. Why? Because I'm okay. I think I am. But the life we want is all in with God. Holding nothing back. Now, here's the reality of it. God has given you all of himself. But for us to have the life that God wants for us and for the plan of God to be fulfilled in our life, we have to give all of ourselves to him. It's not on God's side. What's holding your life back? It's on your side. 
Because God has given all of himself for us, literally sending himself to die on a cross for us and to raise again. It says if God would not withhold giving his son, how much more would he freely give us all things? God is not holding back on us, but most of us give God just a little bit of ourselves. But it's based on how much you give back to God will determine the plan that you experience for his purpose for your life. Because he's already given everything to you. But we must give, hear me this morning, all of ourselves to God. Wholeheartedly. Completely. To receive the life that we want to have. We must give all of ourselves. So many people, I know because I've been in church my whole life. I've been a pastor's kid. I went to a Christian school. I went to kids from hundreds of schools in this area. And most people live this way. Many of them were frustrated with their life and their relationship with God. And they kept saying, is there more? You know why? Because there is more. And majority of those people never went all in with God. Majority of those people never went all in with God. So that's why you're always feeling frustrated. You're always feeling like, God, there's more. I I know there's more for my life because there is more. But until you fully commit, you won't get into the more that God has for you. And that's on our side. Until you fully commit, you won't experience the plan and purpose that God fully has for you. Now, a lot of us think that If I really give it all to God, then my life won't be the way it wants to be. If I I really give my life to God, then my life won't turn out the way it should. That is the biggest lie from the enemy that anyone has ever told you. I remember being a teenager, but also being a youth pastor. That's the biggest thing that teenagers always have in their head. If I just give my life fully to God, then I'll miss out on all the fun. The biggest lie. What are you talking? The only thing you're going to be missing out on is heartache, uh, drug parties, jail time, bad relationships. I mean, what are you going to be missing out on? Come on. No, that's the biggest lie the enemy's ever sold us. He sells it to teenagers, but he also sells it to adults. If I really go all in with God and really get committed to church and really get committed to God and I go all out, I won't be able to have what I want in life. I won't be able to have it, but actually that's where you start. God says, if you seek me first in my kingdom, then all the things you want will be added to you. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding today. But we think if we really serve God, if we really go all out, if we really do what the Bible says we should do, then our life won't be the way it should. What a lie. Because you think that your will for your life is better than God's will for your life. How does that make sense? No, God's will and plan for your life is the best plan for your life. And if you go all in in it, hear me this morning, it will be the most fulfilling life. It will be the most satisfying life. It will be the most joy-filled life. It will be the most peace-filled life. It will be the best life that you have ever had. He will do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, think, or imagine if you go all in with him. Now, I didn't say you weren't going to have any troubles or trials in the meantime, but it will be the life that you were called to have. 
And it will be the most fulfilling, satisfied, peace, joy-filled life that you can experience going all in with God. Not that there won't be trouble or trials. Not that the enemy won't try to push back, but you will have the victory because you have went all in with God. Many of us are pursuing our careers. We're pursuing relationships. We're pursuing a bigger house, a bigger boat, a bigger car. We're pursuing our health. We're pursuing our children and grandchildren's future. And we're neglecting going all in with God. But if we sought him first, your relationships would improve. Your kids and your grandkids would get on the right path. Those issues in your career and your relationship, they would get lined out. Because if you put him first, go all in with him, then the Bible says if you seek him first, all of these things will be added to you. You still with me this morning? But you will get out of your relationship with God what you put into it. Quiet in this Presbyterian church. You will get out of your relationship with God what you put into it. If you want to put 25% in, you'll get 25 out. You want to put 50% in, you'll get 50% out. You want to put 75 in, you'll get 75 out. You want to go all in 100%, you'll get 100% out. But you will get out of your relationship what you put into it with God. Once again, he's not holding back on you. He's already given all of himself. We are holding back on him. And we have to give him something to work with. Hopefully I'm helping you this morning. I've seen many people jealous of other people in church about their relationship with God when they could have went all in anytime they wanted. You're like, oh, I wish I, I wish I had what they had, and I wish I had the relationship. You're the only person who holds you back. They're giving 100% and getting 100% back, and you're giving 25 and getting 25% back. You could change this. Don't get jealous of them. Don't think that they got something that you don't have. No, they have just went all in with God, and you want to give 25% and still get 100% back from God. You will get out of your relationship with God what you put into it. God, he wants the best for us, but unless we're willing to give God our best, how can we expect God's best? We have to give God something to work with. Told you I'm going to challenge you today. Now, why am, I, why am I preaching stuff like this? Because I want the best for you as your pastor. And I see people make the same mistakes, the same patterns year after year after year after year. And they're stuck. And as their pastor, I can see that. And I'm telling you, the answer why a lot of you are stuck is right here. Because if you're satisfied with 25%, you just got to keep getting 25% back every year. You're satisfied with 75, you're going to get 75. But those who go all in with God, 100%, and don't look back. The Bible says if you search for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. You'll find that plan. You'll find that purpose. You'll find what was missing if you search for me wholeheartedly. You go all in. We will get out of our relationship with God 
what we put into it. Here's the definition of all in. To be fully committed to a task or endeavor. To give or be prepared to give all of one's energy and all of one's resources towards something. To go all in means to be fully committed to a task or endeavor. To give or be prepared to give all of one's energy or resources towards something. That's what it means to go all in. And that's what God has asked from us. And he's not asking something that he hasn't already done. God will never ask you to do something that he hasn't already done. He has already went all in for you, but he's asking you to go all in for him. To be fully committed to a task or endeavor, to give or be prepared to give all of one's energy or resources towards something. But many of you know all in from poker. Now, I do have a poker chip in my pocket that we gave away many years ago. It says all in on it. Now, we keep these in the staff room. You could put two and two together. A lot of card parties going on in the staff room. You know, we got a lot of card sharks on the staff at Church on the Rock. The no- most notorious one, Miss Donna. So, actually, I don't even know how to play cards. I know I shouldn't even belong in southern Indiana, but I don't. I really don't know how to play cards. But we got a stack of these in the staff room still from many years ago. It was an all-in poker chip. But many of you know what all-in means for, from poker because some of y'all are heathens. <laughs> Or you just grew up in southern Indiana because everybody knows how to play cards in southern Indiana, okay? Um, But in poker, when you go all in, it means this. In poker, you go all in when you feel like you got a hand that can't be beat. So you're willing to risk all you have because there's going to be a reward, right? You're confident in what you have that it will be worth it if I risk everything and I go all in in this poker game because there will be a great reward at the end of this game. That's why you go all in in poker. How much more the kingdom of God? We have a message that is the good news, the gospel, that is not just a message, but the greatest message of all time. How much more the church and all of us in it should go all in for the plan of God, for the purpose of God, that we would be willing to risk all that we have for God's kingdom and God's plan and God's purpose and God's church. Why? Because we got a hand that can't be beat. We serve a living God with an internal reward ahead of us, but we will only see the fullness of that if we go all in with our life. All in with our time, all in with our treasure, all in with our resources, all in with all we have for God's plan and God's purpose. We must go all in. Why? Because we believe there's going to be a reward on the other side. And I'll tell you what, at 35 years old, I don't know anything else in life worth giving my life for all in other than the cause of Christ and his church. There's nothing that even comes close to it. Because it has eternal value and eternal significance and the eternal reward that what we do on this earth matters. But we will not fully experience that if we're going to just keep all our chips to ourselves and keep living our life. 
We have to be willing to say, God, I believe that we got a hand that can be beaten, and I'm going to put my life on it to go all in with what you have for me. And to the world, it looks risky, but it's not because there's a reward on the other side of it. We have to be willing to put all our chips in for God, for his kingdom, to go all in. You realize the reason that the American church is the way it is because there's a lot of American Christians that are halfway in. The church globally, why it's in the shape it is sometimes is because people are 25% in, 55% in. Nothing changes when churches are like that. The world only changes is when believers in Jesus and his church, all of us, not just the pastor, go all in with what God has for us. We're willing to risk our lives and all we have for God's kingdom. And it's not really a risk. There is a great reward on the other side of it. And that life that I'm talking about is the most fulfilling life. The most satisfied life. The most peaceful life. The most joy-filled life. The life that you want. Now, I didn't say you're going to be driving Bentleys. I didn't say you're going to have a big mansion. I didn't say you're going to have perfect health and nobody would ever attack you on Facebook. But I am saying it's going to be the most fulfilling life. Going all in for God. We as believers, more than anyone, should believe that we have a hand that can't be beat. And since we're confident in that, we're confident in eternal things, in eternal value. We have no problem putting all our chips in the middle for God. Now, some of you aren't there yet because you're not confident enough in that. But you should be because it's true. We have a hand that cannot be beat and it matters in eternity. We got to go all in with what God has for us. That's the only life worth living is a life that's all in. I tell you what, as your pastor, I wouldn't do what I'm doing if I'm not going to go all in. I'd rather do something else with my life. It's not worth coming on Sundays, going to life groups, coming on Wednesday nights, going to camp, Bible adventure week, prayer nights. It's not worth doing what we're called to do unless we're really going to go all in. Why are we doing it? Now, the thing is, many of us know what all in means because we do it in other areas of our life. Just not church. Because we think that Those things are going to be the thing. You know what I'm saying? The thing. Like if I really commit myself to this thing, this hobby, or this career, or this relationship, or this, and I go all in with that, that's going to be the thing that fixes it and fulfills me. And it doesn't. Ever. Ever. Read Solomon in Ecclesiastes. Don't read it when you're depressed. (laughs) But read it sometime. The wisest and richest man who ever lived. What does he say? I had literally thousands of women. He was the king. He had the best looking ones. He said, I slept with all of them. It was all vanity. I had gold dumps and silver dumps and mansions and palaces. And it was all vanity. I tasted every food. Had the best chefs. 
went on the best vacations. It was all vanity apart from God. And it is. It is. God doesn't care about you having those things as long as those things don't have you. But if you get those things and you don't have him, it's pointless. Worthless. It's vain. I know I'm challenging you today, but it's on purpose. Sometimes we need a challenge like this to wake us up from our apathy. What's really important? Eternal things matter. And only a life for Christ and his church will last. But many of us know all in because of sports. First time I ever heard this was the 2012 New York Giants. Their theme for their team was all in. And they went and won the World Series, not the World Series, the Super Bowl that year. They won the Super Bowl in 2012. But the New York Giants, their team motto and theme that year, they had a motivational speaker that came in and gave them all poker chips. And that team turned their season around and they went and won the Super Bowl. But since then, you'll see that everywhere in sports, all in. There's MLB teams and NHL teams and NBA teams, and they got all in. What does that mean? That means everyone on the team is committed. But not just everyone on the team is committed. Everyone is giving everything. All 55 players on a football team are committed. Not just the quarterback, not just the running back, but all in. Everyone on the team, every single one, is giving everything they have. Can I take you a few steps further today? So I want to talk the rest of this time about how the early church lived this all-in lifestyle. Because the early church is an example to us. It's a pattern set for us as followers of Jesus. So let's read in Acts 2, in verse 38. You still with me? Acts 2, 38. Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and your children and to those who are far off and all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter, notice what he did. He continued preaching for a long time. I just thought I should stop there for a second in case you were complaining about my sermon length ever in your life. Peter preached for a long time. Okay, it's scriptural. Strongly urging all the listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And notice what happened after he got done preaching this message. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about 3,000 in all. Notice what happened. Verse 42, all, are you hearing me? All in. That means all of those 3,000 believers were all in. But notice what they started to do. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, which we just took, and to prayer. A deep sense of all came upon all. All. 
And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all, why? Because they were all in. All the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. Last verse. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This early church is a pattern for us of going all in. Going all in with our relationship with God. Now let me clarify something before we talk about some real practical ways about going all in that the early church did that helped them in their relationship with God, helped them grow. Many people, especially in the Western world, will say, well, I'm all in with Jesus. I'm just not all in with the church. Can't separate them. I'm going to tell you why. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is only building one thing on this earth right now and it is the local church. He's building that church. Why? So he can see his kingdom come as it is in heaven on earth. He's building that church so he can see the world reached for him. He's building that church and that's what he's using to heal the world and deliver the world and save the world. Jesus is building and using his church. So you can't say I'm all in with Jesus and not go all in with your church because they are one. Let me tell you some more examples in the Bible. The Bible says that we, the church, are the bride of Christ. And in the same way a husband and wife are one, Jesus and his church are one. If you talk about one, you talk about the other. If you're not involved with one, you're not involved with the other. Because Jesus and his church are one. You can't go all in with Jesus and not go all in with church. I'll give you another example. The church is referred to as the body of Christ. It says he is the head and we are the body. Guess what? It's one body. You can't separate the head from the body because they go together. They're one. And Jesus and his church are one. Hear me this morning. That's why when I say going all in for God or going all in for Jesus and his plan, that means going all in for his church because they're together. You can't separate them. They are one. And if you go all in with God and his plan, it starts in the local church. And it outflows through the local church. But that is the starting place. Don't tell me you're all in for Jesus and you're not all in at your church. You're not. Because what Jesus died for and he says he loves is his church. What he's building is his church. His body is his church. His bride is his church. And Jesus is using his church to change the world. So when we say we're going all in with Jesus, we go all in with his church. This is what happened. The pattern is in Acts chapter 2 that when these early believers got saved, there was 3,000 of them. As soon as they got into Christ, they got into a community. As soon as that vertical relationship with them and God was healed, 
their relationships with each other got healed horizontally. And as soon as they came into Jesus, Jesus put them into a church to go all in. To be a part of the plan of God. Now, don't read something into this. I'm not saying. I'm not saying the only plan that you have for your life is just what happens in the four walls of this church. I'm not saying that. But I am saying it starts here. Because this is what Jesus cares about is his church. Not just this church, but every church. And if we go all in with that, it's amazing how the rest of our life and the areas we're looking to fix or change or we want God's plan and purpose flows out of going all in where God places us. Because this is what Jesus cares about. So listen to me. Don't ever listen to somebody who wrote a blog about how they don't need church. And act like they're spiritual. Don't ever listen to a podcast that acts like you don't need church. Because you cannot separate Jesus from his church. Now, you might need to go to a different church if you got hurt in one. But don't throw the whole thing away just because you got hurt. You need the church. You need other people. You need community. That's God's plan. All right, you still here? My voice is still here. So we see in this chapter, in chapter 2, Acts 2, that this group of believers, they went all in with God immediately. If you read the verses, what happened? They repented of their sins, so they got saved. They received Jesus. They got water baptized. Which you just did that about a month ago. Some of you guys got baptized. Chester got baptized on his birthday. And then it says the third thing they did is they received the Holy Spirit. Which we have just been talking about on Sundays. But then after that, they immediately got into church community and went all in. And by them going all in, not only did it help them. And grow them. Why? Because if you search for him wholeheartedly, you will get the plan and purpose that God has for you. But them going all in around them started being people that wanted to be a part of that church. And we see by just halfway through the book of Acts that this early church, it says they have already turned the world upside down. They were changing the whole Roman Empire that quickly, and the church was growing from 5,000 to 10,000 to 100,000 to 200,000 to millions, and it's changed the world for the past 2,000 years. But people started taking notice. Why? Because this whole group of people, 3,000 of them, went all in. Okay, let's read a few more verses here. Acts 2 and let's pull up 42 if we can. Notice what it says here. All, all the believers. So 2,099. All, all 3,000. So 1,500 of them showed up. Uh Uh-uh. All the believers. Why? Because all in means 
all of us giving everything we have. It only works when we all go all in. It doesn't work when just part of us go all in as a church. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now that means they came to a place where they heard spiritual leaders preach to them the word of God, like you're doing right now, and to fellowship. So they got together outside of church, life groups, eating meals, and also said into sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And let's jump down to verse, if we could, verse 46. They worshiped together at the temple each day. There wasn't this Sunday morning stuff. Each day. Met in, I said, I'm going to challenge you. Met in homes for the Lord's Supper. So they went in people's homes and did life group together. Shared their meals with great joy and generosity. The first thing I want to talk about is this. We need to go all in with our gathering. We need to go all in with our gathering. Now, all the points I'm going to make today are both practical and spiritual. Because when we get together as a group of believers, the the Bible says that God is in our midst. And there's something that happens different when we're together than when we're apart. Yeah, you can get things from God by yourself, but it's different when we come together corporately. There's something that happens spiritually that changes. So gathering is both spiritual, but also practical. We need each other. We need to see each other's face. But we can only build a church and momentum off of people gathered together. Now, I want to talk about this for a second, and I'm going to challenge you. We need to go all in with our gatherings. Now, let's look at another verse here, Hebrews 10 and verse 24 and 25. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and to good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Did you hear what I just said? Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let's see what it says in the Passion Bible. Discover creative ways to encourage others and to motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some people have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. So I'm going to talk about going all in with our gathering. Now you're here today. So congrats. But I want to talk about something. Let me challenge you with some thoughts. Don't get sensitive about this. Just let me challenge you with some thoughts. We're talking about going all in here. Since COVID, and now this is something that's very well known if you look at the church research and attendance. Since COVID, most churches, their attendance has declined. Now, coming out of COVID, There's a lot of churches have went back up, but a lot of their people that have come back are new people. So their attendance has went back up to normal, but a lot of the people that used to be faithful aren't faithful anymore and they don't come like they used to. But there's a whole new batch of people that are hungry for God, which is great. 
Now, we've seen both in our church. But let me challenge you with a few thoughts. Because we need to go all in with our gathering, just like the early church did. It says they met in the temple, and they met from home to home. And they did not neglect that. And there was 3,000 of them. It said they all did this. They made it a priority to meet together. But they said they didn't just meet on Sundays. We only have one service, guys, by the way. They met daily together. Now, you're thinking, like, these people just didn't have jobs. They had jobs. They had families. They had a life. It wasn't like they were all just homeless people meeting together. So some of you are thinking, well, I don't got that kind of time, Pastor. They met daily. And they had a life, a business, a family, kids, grandkids. They did life together. But they made the gathering, come on now, somebody, the priority in their life. And they went all in knowing that how it's going to affect them, but also how it's going to affect other people. Because you can only build and have momentum when there's people there. How many of you know, if a team is practicing, if 50% of the people show up, they can't have a good practice? How many know if if you go out and play your your baseball game and 25% of the team shows up, you can't have the baseball game you need to have? It's the same way in the church. If we're going to go all in, let's go all in. Now, let me challenge you with some thoughts this morning because I've seen this same trend in our church. People that used to be four times a month, they came every Sunday. They come twice a month now at best. Once a month, three times a month, or then sometimes we don't see them for months at a time. Let me tell you this morning, God has better for you and it's with going all in. You are only hurting yourself because you're missing out. But also, we're missing you because we need what you got. And we want the life that God has for us, but we're not willing to make it a priority to go all in. Now, that, that trend is in all churches, not just this church, but it's true for us as well. People that were very committed before COVID, twice a month, three times a month, once a month, maybe just miss months at a time. But then the new people are here all the time. You got to ask yourself, why am I being this way? No, come on. Let me press on your, on your toe a little bit for a second. Let me challenge you. Why are you being this way? What is now so much more important that used to be important before COVID? And a lot of people have backed up with the relationship with God. But you know what? If you back up in your relationship with church, you're going to back up with your relationship with God because they're connected. You go all in with the one, you go all in with the other one. They are connected it's so quiet in here i'm gonna say a lot more so be be ready to be uncomfortable the early church was growing and changing the known world why because when they had a meeting everybody showed up when they had a life group everybody showed up and that group was not a small group it was a group of three thousand people and they met daily So let me challenge you with this. We got one service a week. Sometimes we have a first Wednesday. Sometimes we have a special meeting. How much more us can commit to going all in with the gathering? Because we can't build anything as a church unless we go all in. And you're thinking your relationship with God's going to grow and going to change. And and you neglect the gathering of the saints. It won't. Because you need what happens when we come together corporately. We all need it. I need it. You need it. We all need it. And Hebrews 10 said, don't neglect it. Because some people do now. And actually it says, 
start meeting more the closer we get to Jesus coming back. Because you need the church. We need to go all in with our gatherings. You know, we got a good-sized church, but sometimes we don't show it on Sunday mornings. Do you know that? I've seen this trend over the past year. Half of the people in our church will come one week, and the other half will come the next week. And I'm thinking, if y'all just showed up at the same time, what a church could we have? What kind of services could we have? What could God do if we were all together in one accord, in one place, and not half this week, half this week, 25 this week, 75 this week? What if we were all together? This place would be packed out. Now, Pastor, why do you want that? You want that because numbers, you want to feel better about your preaching? No, I want that for you. So we can build something so you can grow. And if you're only getting every other service, you're missing big parts of what's happening at church. If you're coming once a month, you're missing giant parts of what's going on at our church. And that's what Jesus is doing in this earth, is building his church. I know I'm saying some things today. But let me challenge you. What if we all showed up at the same time? See, look, I can't even tell everybody because half the people ain't here today. So I'm going to have to repeat this message next week when y'all ain't here to tell them this, right? Because if we all just showed up at the same time, man, what a church. But think about if, the, if a team, half of them showed up, but we can do it in the church, it's the same thing. We need everybody. Everybody playing their part. Everybody bringing their gifts. Everybody bringing their faith. No person left behind. The early church grew because they went all in. I want to get off this because you're so quiet and you want me to get off of it. And some of you are praying that I get hoarse or so I just stop talking. <laughs> but I'm going to keep going. Some of you need to go ask yourself some questions when you get out of the service. Why am I doing this? Before COVID, I was committed. What happened? Also in the American church. Now, this is mainly in the American church because other countries don't treat church like we do. They treat it as a priority. Because of the wealth in this country a lot of people go away on the weekends. Now, I'm for you taking vacations, and I'm not talking about you having to miss for work or other stuff like that. But because of that, then everybody's at the boat. Everybody's in the mountains. Everybody's going to Holly World every weekend and just neglecting church. Because of our money and our wealth in this country, it's normal for people to neglect meeting together. Just because it's normal or that's the way the culture's going does not mean it's right. There's another reason why people miss church, and this is from research. Now that when they used to not miss church is because of sports. I'm fine with playing sports, but let's not make it our God. If we have games every Sunday and every time the doors are open, Eventually, we need to get a reality check and say, what's the priority? It's all right to miss here and there for stuff. But if it's every weekend, we are making that our God. And there's no way around it. 
You're making that your God. And you're teaching your kids and your grandkids that it's okay to miss church when anything else better comes up. That's what you're teaching them. And if you miss church for work all the time, you're teaching them. It's all right. If something comes up. And notice, once they get older and they can make their own decisions, they'll do the same exact thing you're doing right now. If church is optional, they will make it optional when they get older. If the sports event comes up, if work comes up, if I need to go out of town, you're, you're putting in them bad habits that are going to hurt them spiritually. Listen to me this morning. I'm not being legalistic about this, but this is the truth. If we're going to go all in for God, we need to go all in with our gathering. We miss out on what God's doing when we constantly miss church. And it's not just this church. Any church you go to that you're a part of, you miss out. You miss the impartations you should have got in that service. You miss the messages you should have heard. I can't count the many times I preached a message and I knew it was for this specific person and they didn't come. God had a word for them. We treat it like it's flippant. It doesn't matter. And it does. If we're going to go all in with God and get the life we want, we have to go all in with our gatherings. Make it a priority. Because when we do that, we will grow. We will change. And that's a part of us going all in with God's plan for our life is the local church. So this is what you should do. This is my thoughts. When there's a church event... Mark it off your calendar. Is that hard? No, it's not hard. So when it comes up, you don't say, oh, well, I got invited to do this. It's already marked off. Sunday mornings, first Wednesday, my life group dates. It's the priority. Why? Because we need to go all in with what God has for us. It's amazing. The same people that miss life groups, miss Sunday mornings, are the same people that are like, man, I'm frustrated. I want God's best for my life. I want to grow in my relationship with God. You're barely giving him 20%, bro. I'm not being mean about it, but that's the truth. What if you gave him 100% and went all in? I'll get off that because I need to close. We need to go all in with our gatherings. Next thing is we need to go all in with our praying. It says this early church that they prayed together. They prayed for each other. There's something special that happens when we come together and we pray together collectively. And this is not just for the few intercessors in our church. This is for all of us. If we want God's plan and best for our life, we need to go all in with our prayer life. This early church prayed for each other. They prayed for the lost. They prayed for their leaders. They prayed for their community. And if you read the book of Acts time and time again, it says, and the church prayed and there was a miracle. 
and the church prayed and the place was shaken. And the church prayed and there was boldness on the leaders. And the church prayed and, and Peter was freed. And the church prayed and there was miracles, signs, and wonders. And the church prayed. The lost came home and were saved. And the church prayed. All over the book of Acts. But it's never talking about the one person. It's talking about the collective church. If we want God's best for us, we need to go all in with our prayer life. It's so important. Don't put that off on other people like they're prayer people. I'm just not. No, we all need to be prayer people. In the early church, they went all in with their serving. All in with their serving. Everyone doing their part. Just like a body, the body of Christ, everyone has a part, but it's one body. And every part of your body does different things to help the whole body be healthy and whole. It's the same way in the church. We all have a part to play. In the early church, they were all in with their serving. There was nobody in that church that said, I'm too good to be in ministry of helps. I'm just not going to do it. I just don't want to do it. No, all of them were serving to the place that they had to turn people away at times because the early church were serving. Jesus said the greatest of all of us are those who serve. There's a story in the book of Acts chapter 6 where the early church was growing so rapidly they needed more people to serve. And it says that the early disciples grabbed seven dudes to do some tables and chairs. Come on, Brother Joe. He found seven dudes. And you're thinking, well, that's not important. How does me handing out food at a cookout matter? How does me changing a baby's diaper matter? How does me doing security at church matter? How does me playing an instrument matter? Well, in Acts chapter 6, it says, just because some guys did tables and chairs, if you read Acts chapter 6, it says, the message grew rapidly and the believers were greatly increased just because people started serving in their church. So it matters. It's both practical and spiritual. We need to go all in with our serving. And lastly, we need to go all in with our giving. The early church practiced radical generosity. Their early followers of Jesus, not only did they tithe, but they gave way above the tithe. You see the early believers, and it says they got to the place that they were selling things they owned and giving all they had so the church could have all the needs met. That's radical. I'm not asking you to do that. But this is what these all-in believers knew about their money and their possessions. All I have belongs to God. Not just 10%. 100% of what you have belongs to God, whether you acknowledge it or not. But these early believers, when they went all-in with their giving and their money, they said, everything I have belongs to God. I'm going to give God whatever he needs. And they experienced this grace-giving that was supernatural and over and above that is a big part of going all in with God and his kingdom. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. 
If your heart is for the things of God and for God's house and for God's plan, your money will be there also. It will. And not just a legalistic, I need to give my tithe. Get that mentality out of your head. That's not New Testament grace, anything like that. These early believers, they were given way over that. Not because they were told to, not because they were forced to, because God had so changed their heart. They go, God, hey, 100% what I have belongs to you. I'll give whatever I have. We see that in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4, and through all throughout the New Testament church. When people went all in with God, they went all in with their giving. Brother Darrell, could you come play? I kept you long today, and I appreciate you being with me. But what did, what did Peter do? Peter preached a long time. It's only an hour. We're good. It's 11.41. We'll still beat the Methodist to Golden Corral. You guys get some today? I know I challenged you. We want God's best. Hear me this morning. But are we giving him our best? God has already went all in for us. It's time to go all in with him. And we can't separate that, that out from Jesus and his church. They're together. Let me recap these real quick. This is what these early believers did. They went all in with their gathering. They didn't miss. Not because they were forced to not miss, because they wanted to be there. And it was a priority of their life. They went all in with their gathering at the public gathering, but also in their homes, life groups. They met together. They didn't miss. Why? Because they went all in. And you can't build anything special if no one shows up. You can't build God's house if no one participates. They went all in with their gathering. They went all in with their praying for each other and for their church. They went all in with their serving. They found a place to get involved in their local community and they served. And they went all in with their giving and their generosity, their money. Well, your treasure is your heart will be also. I'm not saying any of these things for selfish reasons. I want what's best for you. And this is what's best for you. It's what's best for me. To live out what God's word says. It's amazing when we do these practical but yet spiritual things, how our life starts changing. Just show up to every service. Your life will start changing. Don't miss. Just, just try it for a year. Don't miss anything for a year. Your life will start changing. I promise you. Start praying every day. Don't miss. Your life will start changing. Get involved in serving in an area of our church and don't miss for a year. Your life will start changing. Start giving your tithe and your offering consistently every week or whenever you get paid for a year. If you go all in, your life will start changing radically. But we will never experience this radical life change in the plan that God has for us unless we go wholeheartedly all into what God has for us. It's true for me and it's true for you. But notice the last verse when the community around them saw a church like this. Acts 2.47. Man, I really appreciate you listening to my voice today. 
it's pretty crackly. I understand that. But I'm giving everything I have, church. With all my allergies and everything, I'm giving everything I have. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let's look at the Passion Bible. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. When the community around us and the people around us that don't really understand church or God or anything see this, that would be the fruit of going all in. Because people around us will say, I want to be a part of that. And the Lord will add to this church daily. Great churches are not built on the sacrifices or the, or the gifts and talents of a few, but the sacrifices of many people. But why are we going all in? We're going in to build God's kingdom, to build God's house, because eternity is long, because people matter, and we need to all get to the place that we're not coming to church for us, but we're coming to church for other people. And trust me, you will get something as a byproduct of that. Some of you would say, well, I don't need a life group. I've been in life groups before. Maybe you don't feel like you need it, but what if that other person needs you in that life group? Mrs. Selfish. Well, I don't want to come to First Wednesday. I had a long day at work. Well, what if somebody else needs you there? They need your faith. They need your prayers. And just by seeing you, you get a blessing in return. No, we all need this. Nobody gets too grown for these simple things. Nobody gets too old or too spiritual to neglect these basic principles of going all in. We all need it. But we need to get to a place where we're not just doing it just for us. That's great, and we'll receive God's plan and purpose for our life, but we start doing it for other people. You know, at 35 years old, I don't come to church for me. I can't at this point because I am the one preaching. I come to church for y'all. I come to church for the new person. I come to to church for the person who doesn't understand the Bible. I come to church for the person who's lost, who's broken. I come to, to church for the person who's had bad church experience before and acts like no church they can understand. I come to church for other people and in return, I get so blessed by God. But imagine a whole group of people that were had that mentality of all in. They were not just being consumers, but being contributors. They weren't just coming when it was convenient. They were coming because they were in covenant. They weren't just spectating, but they were participating and in being involved in what God had for them. That's God's perfect will for all of us in here and for the other half that aren't here this morning that need to hear this message, that's God's perfect will for them too. Imagine if all of us were all in together, what God could do. Last few things I want to say, and I'll really close. I know I've talked long. Maybe it's the medication I'm on. I don't know. I am taking a lot of medication for allergies. God has a call in this church that is 
unique. Not that there's not a lot of great churches in this community, but he has spoken through different people, men and women of God, about this church. We're called to be a region-changing church. But it's not going to happen by accident. It's going to happen when we go all in. And all of us would say in here, every time I say region change in church, everybody's like, woo-ha. Doesn't happen by a woo-ha. Doesn't happen by a lap. It happens when we all go all in. All of us in here, all the people that aren't here today, if all of us go all in, that's how things start moving. That's how things start growing. That's how momentum starts coming. That's how the church starts being built when we go all in for God. God has given us a prophetic word at this church. And I want to see it come to pass. Anybody want to see that come to pass? And God's not going to say, Pastor Jordan, he's going to say, Church on the Rock. When we get to heaven, he's going to say, y'all went all in. Look at all those people you touched. Look at all those lives you reached. Look at the region changing church you became. He's not going to say, Pastor Jordan. He's going to say, Church on the Rock. But just because we have a prophetic word does not mean we don't need to do some prophetic work. In church family, we need to get to work. Pastor, I thought this was summer break. I was about to take a step back and just relax for a few weeks. No. It takes prophetic work. And we're going to go all in with what God has for us. Because God's plan matters. God's purpose matters. And people matter to God. It's worth going all in for. And trust me, anytime I've ever seen anyone fully commit in our church and go all in with God, I've seen it change their marriage. I've seen it change their children and their children's children. I've seen it change their money. I've seen it change their physical health. I've seen it change their mind. I've seen it change the trajectory of their entire future because when we go wholeheartedly towards God, he will give us a plan that is good, not of disaster, and give us a future and a hope. Did you get something today? Can you stand up with me? I appreciate you listening this morning. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.